This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 205 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Mr. Borgenauer. How are you? Kia ora, Dan. I'm really good. How are you going, sir? I'm not too bad. 205, I feel like well, we just move on so quickly, don't Like, I just can't believe we're already 205. Like, it's crazy. The numbers just keep on, they keep on ticking, Dan. They really do. It's a bit like birthdays, isn't it? Anything exciting been going on in the world of Paul Canella? Uh Any road rage? Well, any incidents yeah, no. with local community groups, members, organisations? Community shops? groups. <laughs> I work with community. I don't have oh, okay. lots of rage, I would say, but not road rage particularly. Um, no, this week's been a, the my other job. You know, the one I do in the daytime hours. That's mm. been quite prominent for me this week this actually the funny thing is this week dan is before you ask me what i've been watching the truth is which i won't i won't bring to the podcast what i've mostly been watching this week is parliament tv select committee for social services and community and the the Piora disestablishment of diaka Piora, which for the record i give all of them zero guns um but it's interesting because i don't know I know you've told me how you you spend time on YouTube and you go down rabbit holes watching all kinds of like, how tos. I forget what you said in it, but you would still find yourself an hour into watching something. That's how I found myself with Parliament TV. And you know, if someone sits down, and there's a game on, and they're like, "Oh, I'm going to watch the game," and then you watch the game all the way to the end. I put Parliament TV on. There's a bill on. I'm like, I'm seeing this through. I'm seeing this through. So I've seen all the speeches all the way through to the end. And if I have to, I'll come back for the second reading. And as I get older, I just feel like. Uh, exploring politics more and more just seems to be of interest to me and as i said my day job working in central government has got something to do with that i also blame two people from my team who i won't name and shame but essentially they're the petrol that's really accelerated my my media intake of parliamentary tv so that's what i've actually spent a lot of my time this week doing it's funny isn't it like when you're young like you just like i remember thinking to myself you know it's like you know, you're sort of five or six. It's like, when I'm an adult, I'm never going to watch the news. Like, why would I? And it's like, yeah. you know, as you get older, just different things appeal. Like, you know, you love the quiet nights. You love a good cup of tea. You love just to kind of like Correct. immerse yourself Tick. in, you know. Tick. Yeah, these different little subjects. There is a, a lot going on at the moment on the on the political front. But um, thankfully, this is this is not a show about politics. This is a show about thankfully um, for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What have we been watching, Paul? So, what have you been watching? Okay, so um, some of the select committee down. I even watched twice this week. So we're in real trouble for the pod if this carries on. But I do have a TV series um, to bring to our podcast this week, Dan, and that is season four of For All Mankind. Um. And I will be uh, spoiler light in this, but essentially, if you haven't seen the first three seasons, this isn't going to mean a lot anyway. So just a reminder, this is a show about an alternate history uh, whereby the Soviet Union uh, succeeds in the first moon landing ahead of the US and the space race in the 70s continues on and on for decades with bigger challenges. 
And so across the first three seasons, which I've talked about at length over the last couple of years, we sort of follow the story through the 70s and then into the mid 90s. And then by the time we get into this season four, um, we actually now find ourselves in, in 2003. So, you know, we're only like you know, 20 years in the past. And, and so things, technology, fashion, uh, world leaders, all of these things are all starting to become more and more familiar with, you know, when we started in 69, back with the moon landing, the black and white TV, the Beatles, um, Nixon in the White House, all of those things. So this series has come forward quite some time. And um, yeah, season one, two and three, I've given straight 10 out of 10s. And season two and three were my number one shows back to back for the years that they came out. So I'm sort of laying the context for how much I rate this show because season four is very good, but it is not 10 out of 10 like the first three seasons. And so it is something of a drop off. But when I'm comparing something to a 10 out of 10, it's still really good, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, so I know, you, obviously, like you've just said, you've, you've been a big fan of the series. Um, it's kind of been dropping what, since about November, which I, I really I really hate these shows that they split between years. Like I wanted to finish mm. your 2023 show or a 2024 show. My first question for you, Paul, is so obviously in For All Mankind, it's got someone like Joel Kinnaman. So are we, mm. you know, big star, are we – following these people like are they kind of aging throughout the show like what's the is that sort of the premise that's exactly right yeah and in fact joel kinnaman is one of only two of the original maybe three or four actually sorry but only two have literally been in every episode but um yeah we sort of met him as young ed baldwin back in 69 and um they've just yeah some incredible makeup for aging for him because you know now he's you know some nearly 35 years later um and so that's the same as well for my my favorite character margot who's played by uh, ren schmidt um she has probably the best story arc of all the characters this season um her you know her journey as well we follow her danielle um there's a few characters who've been there some haven't made it as is the nature of space exploration um and that's actually one of the strengths of the show and i've talked about this before like we've talked about lost or sopranos or you know shows that are not afraid to kill off main big name characters walking dead was another good example um it does that a lot so um but yeah this is a show that it really is up there for me it it really is at my alley i don't think i could have asked for much more in terms of a premise for a tv show um and you're right it was november 2023 um and so i just didn't get to see enough episodes and i didn't get to see the episodes of of 2024 but you know it could it it wouldn't be in the top five of my top 10 for last year but i think it would have been in that bottom half of it there as well and there's a few reasons why um the pace of the show's increased and that's that's fine but this is a show that i've actually always appreciated for its deliberate methodical pacing um, exploring space and preparing to explore space should uh, should be a slow process, and it is. And so taking the time to take that time has always made it feel quite authentic, and so they've sort of ramped that up a little bit, but that's fine. The action and, and the drama are still the same levels, but the nature of the show is where it's dropped points for me. The essence, 
the sort of like has moved from let's go to the moon, let's go to Mars, let's explore and broaden our knowledge and go further than we've ever gone before to, hey, there's some there's some things happening on Mars with an asteroid that could make us a lot of money. Let's chase that dollar. And it becomes a very commercial, you know, the space race has turned into, you know, the hunt for the new money-making thing. Um, and that's... That's not the essence of the show that I really love. Mm, mm. And so is this the final season or is it sort of like more, more to come or un- unconfirmed at this point? More to, more to come. So um, they, they set out with the ambitions of having seven seasons um, spanning 70 years, which if we took that to be from, you know, call it 1970 essentially going through to 2040 so season five which is already being filming is set in 2012 so that's another nine years on from this season um so this this show will go if, if it gets renewed and all the rest of it will go into the future beyond where we are in present day which is quite an interesting idea but um yeah there's there's a lot of goodness in here um one of the reasons it was my number one show for 2021 and 2022 was not only was it standout TV, but it just played in a space that's special to me. The characters were delivering something that felt somehow achievable for us in real life. We could do if, if our focus was different, if, if investment was different and there's no TV genre that could appeal to me more than that. So season four just didn't do enough of it, but it was still, very, very strong. And if I think about everything I've watched this year since we've come back into 2024, this would be easily in my top three shows of the year. Wow. Okay. And so how's the dynamic, you know, because I think that's one of the things that kind of appealed to me when you talked about the first few seasons is kind of a, an alternate timeline that, that the space race is a bit different. Like, is that still a big factor in the show or is, is that kind of subdued a little bit for these different storylines? It is it is a factor there, although the lines have become a little bit blurred. Alliances, you know, if you think about SpaceX and NASA and in in real life, we've got now the Soviet Union um, and the Americans and the North Koreans working on projects together, but also against each other. So there's a lot of different dynamics there in terms of the race is not about let's get to the moon or let's get to Mars. I don't, there's There's been no sort of let's get to Jupiter or let's get to whatever. It's actually been about what are the financial opportunities of what we can mine on these planets and bring back to Earth to replenish our resources. And that's it's, it's going to be interesting to see where it's going to go because for me, there's only so much legs in that sort of a story. But at the same time, um, the... I don't know what the word is, but the sort of that wonder when you look up at the moon and think, oh, could we get to the moon? That 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 stuff is gone. It's now so standard. Like there's there's HR on the moon, on Mars, uh, HR issues and employment issues and people were tired of the shifts that they've been rostered on on Mars. I mean, it's so it's so everyday life, but we're on Mars that it's um it's gone beyond that. And some of the magic has maybe disappeared. It's so it's, that was the most um, pulling me out of reality statement I've ever heard in my in my life. When you say oh, there's HR on Mars, that like even when we yeah. get to these new these new yeah. planets, we still we still bring all of the pain of uh, 
you know correct d- Dayton and you'll never find a park you'll never find a park and there'll be traffic everywhere and yeah all of the day-to-day problems and that's it's kind of exciting that that becomes normal but it, it yeah once you remove that bit of wonder and magic it's kind of it becomes commercialized and um so yeah but um writing production the visuals crystal clear right out there with you know like movies like interstellar or, or gravity um you've mentioned you know joel kinnaman who i think you know we probably know best from you know suicide squad or mm-hmm. house of cards he's 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 good he's really really a, a strong lead as i say i really like ren schmidt um yeah the um the support cast is the same throughout daniel stern has joined the cast as the head of nasa now. um he's really good but there's not as many um kind of big big stars i think um sometimes some of the 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 shows on on apple come in with some very big name stars if you think about some of the other shows they've got some big and so a lot of the budget i think gets spent on those people whereas with due respect to joel kinnaman there isn't quite that star power here and so i think a lot of the money gets spent on these incredible sets of rockets and nasa and planet modules and special effects so um it's a show that i just get chills always watching the, the opening credits um Sador and our Discord community and I often talk offline. He's like it's this is his number one show as well. So it's it's always good when you find a kindred spirit for that. It's uh if if you love space exploration, honestly the first three seasons, even if you bow after three, and I don't recommend you do, but you won't go wrong. You won't mm-hmm. go wrong. What do you think is the um the rewatchability of the show? Like do you think it has a good re you know, like we obviously watch like a breaking band and we're like, yep, you could sit down and rewatch it anytime. D- does the show have that factor? It does, and I, um, I've actually reviewed season one and two twice on the pod because I did a rewatch ahead of mm. season three, and I don't know. It's like I'm conscious that sometimes I oversell things, but I feel like if it's if it's your vibe, it's a real, it's a real easy rewatch. It's um, it's comforting, and it's just it's detailed. It's the Bosch of space exploration it's just it feels so authentic and proper that i know it sounds a crazy thing to say but it feels every everything they do seems like star trek is you know warp speed or light speed and this engine it's kind of a little bit beyond but what they're doing in for all mankind and the way they describe it feels like we could do that and if we did it this way we could get to mars and it's there's there's that kind of feel to it i love it Nice, nice. So not quite as exciting as the first three seasons, but still a good continuation of the story. Um, look, this is still on my on my watch list. I Every time we kind of get a bit of space in the schedule, I'm always kind of like, is this the time for all mankind? But it, it hasn't quite made it to the top of the pile. Yeah, it's and it's a big ass to watch as well because the you know the episodes are full, long episodes mm-hmm. and you know, you've got 40 episodes there. So it is... It is a big investment of time, so um, I I just say if if you are a, a space exploration, then you won't go wrong. If it's not something that's close to your heart, maybe it's not for you. Mm-hmm. Very good. That is me, though, Dan. Other than parliamentary TV, which we'll skip this time at least. Um, what have you been watching? 
I appreciate that. Uh, I've got a, a couple of movies for you this week. So uh, first movie, a uh, hot off the press movie. This is uh, 2023, The Iron Claw. So this is a movie that I've I've been looking forward to watching for a very long time. You know, Paul, I have a, a deep love wrestling. of of the wrestling. Um, and I, I don't know what it is. Like I just, I'm in. I'm all in. I it, and it's it just it grows inside me. And I try to keep it dormant. But anytime I see a wrestling movie, I'm all about it. And what is great about this movie is, you know, star-studded cast. So this is basically about the Von Erich family. It's it's a little bit controversial in the sense that it kind of glosses over some of the the pretty sad history of this family. Um, and sort of reading the Wikipedia page doesn't cover all of it so there's there's always an element you know whenever they do a true story there's an element of um creative freedom so so the story is especially the true story of the inseparable uh von eric brothers who made history in the intensely competitive world of professional wrestling in the in the early 1980s so as i said star-studded cast we've got zach efron he plays kevin von eric um he's bulked up he, he's a beast he's he's kind of our our core wrestler in the family we've got jeremy allen white um who plays kerry von eric so he's he's also hot off the beer um also kind of like i don't want to say roided up but roided up for um ready for wrestling um it's we've got hulk uh, mccullany who plays sort of the father of the of the von eric's and it's what the, what the story ultimately is about is, I'll try to sort of summarise it without going too deep into spoilers because it's it's still pretty fresh. It's you know it's only just been at the movies. Um, so you've got a father who he grew up as a wrestler. It's kind of he just threw his whole kind of um, life and career into it. He had I think five five boys they all get into wrestling um some of them sort of like go to it more naturally than others um and his he's just got he's trying to he's trying to grow wrestling it's it's the main income source for the family he feels like he's kind of been done wrong in the past and he wants his kids to succeed he wants them to sort of win title belts um but but it's, it all comes with that sort of, you know, the the stage and entertainment factor that we all know that sort of comes with wrestling. And so it's – and it's also kind of this super sad tale at the same time because this, you know, um, Holt McCullough, who, who plays um, Fritz von Erich, he's – like, he – he's so hard on these boys um and and so so is the mother um played by uh moira tyranny so like you know for example if the boys are having trouble or one of them's kind of in a real dark space typically their advice to these these boys men is that's why you've got brothers go sort of that with them talk to them don't talk to Mm. me um and Mm. so there's it's it's sort of like it's in the 70s it's in the era of um, like wrestling's getting huge. Uh, there's, there's also the WWF is coming in. You would actually love this book because there's um, there's quite a big sort of Ric Flair component to this um, series, <laughs> and so you've got to really like run us young Ric Flair um, who's coming in, and he's you know he's trying to challenge for the belt, and you've got that full like Ric Flair kind of charisma, uh, but but just seeing him as a as a a young version is it's so fascinating because you you and I are both Ric Flair fans um, from so from way back. So great great movie, great drama. It is it, it's quite a sad movie. I'm going to be honest with you. There's like 
it, it, it's ultimately a sad tale, and it's a sad tale because the the von Erich family kind of considers themselves to have a a curse, and with having the name von Erich kind of um, means bad things are going to happen. So you do need to probably go into it with your your box of tissues. But if you've got a love of wrestling, you've got a love of a good sort of sports biography, you might know a little bit about this from either, you know, sort of growing up with wrestling or just kind of generally be interested. I had a really great time with this movie. Um, it's it's not, like it's quite like it's quite slow and deliberate, but it's a good slow and deliberate. It's not a, it's not a over the top, um, action packed movie. It's it's got a story to tell, and I think they do a pretty good job of telling it. And a really good rating as well. And I actually watched the entire trailer as you were talking there, Dan, just just to let it flow and just sort of get a feel for it. And I can feel that emotion coming through. And I think, in particular, Jeremy Allen White is. The, the kind of actor who's going to deliver that sort of emotion. I mean, his his face, his eyes. I mean, you, you think about what he was like in the bear. Mm-hmm. He just mm-hmm. he just oozes uh, empathy and and emotion and and all the rest of it. And um, Holt uh, McCallany, who plays the the dad Fritz, he is also a terrific actor. Who I've I've been meaning to see a few more things that he's done. And I've always associated him with um, Mindhunter, mm-hmm. which was that awesome series that kind of got cancelled or just never got renewed i don't know and um lily james um i see as well is also in this as well i've always uh enjoyed her roles in, in many things as well so terrific cast um and yeah it just looks a very polished um yeah just from the trailer looks very high production quality um i see what you mean about the the, the roided out i actually thought jeremy allen might look he was pretty big in the bear even you know and there must have been this this movie going on at the same time i guess yeah yeah and look i this is no like i i don't know i don't know anything about steroids but like just in, in terms of like just like everyone's so bulked up in it uh particularly zach efron like he's almost like unrecognizable and they've yeah. kind of got these like classic and that haircut 70s. terrible terrible haircuts like and they're kind of like blunt cut and they're square and they look kind of stupid but it's um you can tell they're they're, they're putting a lot of heart and soul into these roles um and it's like it's just a it's just a it, it's a good movie like i i just really enjoyed it so um yeah i definitely highly recommend it for for those that are interested and i think that the thing that really gets me these days, Paul, is anything with like A24 on it. I'm I'm all in. Like I just feel like they just produce so many great um, movies, TV shows. They're they're awesome. Oh, A24. A24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've we've watched a number, and I'm thinking um, the the Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, the Uncut Gems. There's been a number that. Yeah, you're right. Ex Machina, yeah, Moonlight, good. Hereditary, Ladybird, um, The Lighthouse. Uh, oh yeah, that was great. I think they also like they did Beef. Um, the really yeah, so like they they just I feel like they're just they're doing something awesome, and it's almost enough for me when I see that little A24 logo that I'm like I'm in. Yeah, say no more. It's just a, it's it's almost like a seal of quality, isn't it? It's almost like mm. a. You, you are getting something that's been looked at and just taken good care of. My, you know, you mentioned the, the Ric Flair. I'm mainly here for the Ric Flair memes and gifts, particularly the the big, I'm not even going to do it, but the oh. woo. I, I'm not, I can't 
Does do you get a witness? <laughs> there it is. Do you get that? Does what's the the, the guy playing the young player, Aaron Dean Eisenberg? Yeah, I, I yeah, need you, to know that he does you the do. You do like oh, you so get good. the um that kind of like classic uh you know WWF slash you know back then so WWE now like that real kind of like oh, right. you know like hype piece where um you know it's like oh, I've got the best suit on I've got my crocodile shoes um you know I'm gonna kick your ass in this town like it's there's there's so much great band and it's got the classic like the the luscious Ric Flair white hair and yeah. it's like it's it's everything that's over the top and ridiculous, but it's it's great. <laughs> Correct. Uh, like I don't know my restaurant my wrestling history well enough to be like whether that was a good interpretation or not, but I just loved I loved just having Ric Flair in there and just kind of bringing it into into reality, and you know just sort of reading a bit a bit more about this family afterwards after the movie. Is the Von Erichs have been like inducted into the the WWE like Hall of Fame and you know it's it, it's awesome like I just think this is sort of the the dawn of the sort of entertaining wrestling that we know today. You know, last week you were talking about your TikTok algorithm and the mm. the, the Taylor Swift stuff. Well, my Instagram Reels algorithm brings up a lot of and it's called um, out of context flair or something mm. like, and it's it's basically there's like a caption like your manager tells you you have to work harder and then there's a rick flair video response underneath and it's just and of course every time i hat it i get more but it's yeah. all good times mm-hmm. so yeah no this is another one another classic in the uh the wrestling repertoire of movies um it's yeah it, it's available to rent at the moment check it out um it'll no doubt be appearing on streaming probably in the the coming months Anything else? You said you had a couple of movies. I do. I've got one more. So um, I've gone back into the classic uh, lolly bag, lolly jar. Classic. I saw, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I watched this on Netflix, um, and it said it was leaving soon, and I was like, I don't want to miss this train. It's the 310 to Yuma. Um, The The original or the... No, okay, no, no, two thousand and seven. So the uh the Russell Crowe, Christian Bale, Ben Foster one. So good. I haven't watched it for a little while. And I was like, sometimes because you know, like, you know, I've got all these various quirks, Paul, and one of them is sometimes I just need a good Western. And I was yep. not disappointed. This this delivered. So so good. I like this side of you, Dan. Mm. That's the uh, Russell Crowe line. It's and what's so great about it, like you know, like we talk about Russell Crowe quite a bit on this podcast, and there's just so many like different incarnations of of Russell Crowe. Like this is such a a young, trim, slim like Russell Crowe who's like peak cowboy. Like, I, I, this may be fair to say top of his game, but like just like this is real kind of like I feel like Hollywood like um, Russell Crowe. This is like a real kind of it feels like a good like down and dirty western, and I know it's kind of like it's hard to create. Um, that sort of like you, you, you kind of end up going and you either make it sort of like real sort of Hollywood and over the top, or you kind of you know keep it keep it raw and true. And this kind of has that feel. And I think also what's interesting is just sort of watching it fresh again. So Russell Crowe is, is our is our outlaw. Uh, Christian Bale is our uh, sort of farmer who's doing a a kind of a good deed. He needs some money, help sort of escort Russell Crowe to the 310 to Yuma train. And Russell Crowe's got a, a band of outlaws with like Ben Foster. 
honestly, such a good actor. Like he's such a great bad guy. Like everything Ben Foster in, pure gold. And a real good shot. He's a real good shot in this movie as well, isn't he? Real good shot. Um, you've got you know a bunch, you've got Peter Fonda in this movie. Like this, this has got so many yeah, um, yeah. great actors in it. It's a really good story. It's got that classic like western pacing as well. So it's a you know it's a good two hour movie. You really kind of get the sense of you know who Russell Crowe is as the bad guy, who Christian Bale is as kind of the the good guy that. What's kind of at stakes when it comes to trying to escorting a prisoner? What what this means for family at home? Like it's thoroughly enjoyed. Really good rewatch. Really stands the test of time. Um, still in twenty twenty four. That's incredible. And I I recall the the plot sort of twisting when Christian Bell's son turns up out of the blue as well, and he's like, "You should have stayed home." And he gets involved. This you know you talk about peak Russell Crowe. This is this is Christian Bell in between Batman Begins and that night as well. So he's, you know, I mean, he's, he just always seems to be peak anyway, but uh, I am a big fan of this movie. I remember it was one of the first, well, maybe feels like one of the first Blu-rays I ever got. I just, um, this one and Seraphim Falls, these two are my go-to Westerns. I've seen, I've watched this movie a lot. I also, um, also really like the, the original um mm. i i think um that could be a the old glenn ford 50s one it's um it's so good it's um it's the support cast it's the it's the lighting you know james mangold directing you know so this is the guy who's given us you know logan and indiana jones the latest movie he's he's on top form as well great great movie to to dip into then it was it was just really a real you know, it's leaving soon, and I just got. I was like, I've got to. I need to watch it. I, I, I've been. It's sort of been on the on the radar for a little while with the various westerns that we've been talking about, and I even I couldn't. It's been so long since I've watched it. I'd even kind of forgotten, kind of how this movie kind of comes together, and just the idea. Like I just imagine the brief of like you've got to get this criminal, um, yeah. to the train. And then, you know, the train arrives at 3.10. You get there. The train isn't going to necessarily arrive spot on 3.10. And then it's just the the logistics of, like, it's not like the train's just going to pull in and leave again. You've got, like, bandits chasing you. You've got all sorts of dramas happening. It's it's just such a great sort of modern-day Western. Um, I can't can't rate it any higher. I had such a great time. Yeah. And a, a good question for us, and maybe a podcast one day would be, you know, top 10 Westerns. That's a yeah. hard 10 to get into, but I think this movie would be in there, you know? Actually, what it did um, remind me of, actually, when I was watching this is, you know how I watched um, Fury the other day? And yeah. I was like... Um, the oh, guy, the son's in it, the, isn't he? Yeah, he's, Logan he's, Lerman. The, he's the son. And so, yeah. and it was kind of just... It was just interesting now to say, oh, I haven't seen much of this guy. And then he was, here he is in Three Tender Humour. What did, because Alan Tudyk, for me now, because of Rogue One, his voice has now become synonymous. K2SO. Was it now, watching it post-Rogue, was it K2SO in a Western or was was that voice hidden? No, it it was hidden. I, um, I, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't take me out of it at all. As you know, that's great. It, yeah. So no, that still stands up. But yeah, top 
top 10 westerns would be a tough one I, I can already populate it with at least six but i'm i'm, I'm saying 310 to yuma would be i think it's that good I, it I could really almost be a, a full episode at some point paul the, that's, uh, that's what yeah, i'm thinking yeah, yeah yeah nice i love that so that is me apart from our um our watch of the week which shall we jump into that Indeed. So yeah, so every week we bring to the podcast our Watch of the Week. We will announce what that will be in advance in our Discord community, where we have a, a bit of a calendar of the next three things coming up. If you're keen to see what's coming up so you can watch along, you can click the link in the show notes to join our Discord community. And this week, Dan, we've watched season five or series five, I should say, perhaps, of Fargo. We have indeed. So... um you and I are both big Fargo Fargo fans, Paul. It's it's great to be back. But I'm just going to start off with my first my first complaint about this one. Another one that's split between 23 and 24. Yeah. Like, you know, and such a great TV show. So, um, anyway, before we get too too deep into the weeds, so this one is uh, once again set in Minnesota and uh, North Dakota in the fall of 2019. It's starring Juno Temple. Uh, is Dorothy uh, Lyon, who we most commonly probably know from Ted Lasso. And it's so, so great to see her in uh, a different role. So uh, Dot is a seemingly typical Midwestern housewife um, living in Scandia, uh, Minnesota, whose mysterious past comes back to haunt her after she lands in hot water with authorities. What did you think of this uh, Watch of the Week, Paul? Mm. Just just to set the scene, Dan, um, I thought the first three seasons of this show, first three series of this show, were absolutely superb. One Season one and season three in particular were stand there. The fourth series, I couldn't even finish, which is a rare thing for me to not even finish. I, I couldn't get into it at all. And... Um, this this fifth season that I came into it with a bit of trepidation but hopeful and I need not have worried because this season for me is what I would say back to basics in terms of what I what I want from my Fargo show and it's more focused around that that offbeat um weirdo type criminals and this the crazy characters that always appealed to me in the first three seasons um my my biggest you know you, you just say what your base one my biggest problem right off the bat is it was just too long. It was like two episodes too long, maybe even three. But putting that aside, I don't have many complaints at all. I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would say if we're going to, okay, let's start with complaints. I think you're right. I think it's definitely one or two episodes too long. In fact, I think in that final episode, I felt like they kind of wrapped it up in about like 10 minutes and then had a, a weird, kind of subplot which left me with more questions than answers like an epilogue or something yeah and then i think the like i think fargo is is always known for its quirkiness and i think you're dead right like seasons one two three fantastic and then five great great to kind of be back um i really really enjoyed it i was i was pretty hooked for particularly the sort of first half of the season i don't know i don't know how i feel about the sort of borderline supernatural part of the episode mm -hmm. and kind of how that connected and, and what it truly meant like that almost could have not been there at all and yeah. it's still been really good but i think what is great about about this is i just I, such a star-studded cast. Like I thought, a Juno Temple as Dot 
absolutely smashed her role. I love the the mystery and intrigue with her character. But one of my absolute favorite actresses in this would have to be uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. I loved her as kind of the um, slightly kind of like evil, but kind of weirdly heart in the right place uh mother-in-law to to dot i love seeing like joe carey who we obviously we know him from stranger things but seeing him as as gator tillman as this kind of uh redneck uh cop was was just so good um john ham like seeing him in sort of a, a role like I, I i feel like i haven't seen him in a sort of like dark twisted role before so I thought that the core story, fantastic. Cast, fantastic. Um, I love the sort of twists and turns, but yeah, I think overall just a little bit too long. Yeah, just just didn't need to be that long. It just just took me, I don't know, just a little bit, um, not out of it, but I just, I felt like you said it just kind of wrapped up and then, then it gave us almost a whole episode of almost arbitrary, like, yeah, very odd. But Jennifer Jason Lee, to start with her, as you did, I would say this is quite possibly her best role since single white female. People so, think. yeah, so cutting, um, so arrogant, so uncaring, so rich. Honestly, she would be a great character in succession to go up against Logan Roy. I thought she was so good in this looking down her nose type role um i just thought she was absolutely fantastic and and john ham as you say as the as this corrupt very bad sheriff um very strong in that role in any other circumstance i'd say i found his character to, to be like um disturbingly brilliant but because you know be, this isn't fiction per se because the thing that makes Fargo different is that it's all a true story except for the names are changed so this just makes him just disturbing to be honest that this is a this is an actual person very very disturbing but a strong performance from John Hamm for sure do you I don't know if I like do you know this I don't know if I'm going to upset a lot of people but do you know these aren't true stories Dan it says at the start, this is based on the true story and only the names have been changed. If this isn't true, I'm going to the broadcast corporation, whoever complains. I mean, I complain all day. I'll find someone to complain to. Now, this, unfortunately, was uh, checked by Patreon producer Samara Wadding-King and much to her um, dissatisfaction and frustration, they say that purely just for the the entertainment factor of it all. Like none of this oh, is actually based. I've on been a, duped. Okay, i this this explains a lot, Dem, and I'm, I tip my hat because uh, sometimes I'm like, really, this was going like how? Okay, this this explains a lot because there's so many things. Okay, so I'll go back to my original comment. Then I, I thought he was disturbingly brilliant yeah. uh, in the way he delivered. Uh, what he does in this movie. Um, good to know. I'll keep that in mind going forward. My biggest takeaway from this series, and I think in line with what you said, is how good an actress Juno Temple is. Um, because she's she's always been, you know, Keely from, from Ted Lasso, which as characters go, um, you know, that character doesn't leave much of an impression on me. But I've just added another series that she's in as well. Plus, of course, Fargo. And I, I just think she's 
absolutely superb. Question for you, Dan, without looking, do you think Juno Temple is British putting on an American accent in Fargo or is she an American putting on a London accent in Ted Lasso? I would say American putting on a London accent. Incorrect. British and is putting on the accent. She has sort of moved from country to country, but she was actually, funny enough, brought up in school at a school in, in Somerset, um, not too far from where I originally uh, came from many, many years ago. But um, yeah, really, really, really convincing accent. I mean, the Minnesota accent throughout all, all of the seasons, all of the series have been, it's always so entertaining. Um but I just loved, you know, from a character point of view, I just loved all of her, the ingenuity and the resourcefulness. And that obviously came from a place of necessity, given how she was treated in, in her relationship with the sheriff. But she was like a, a MacGyver meets an assassin, all wrapped up in a personality that was actually more focused on just getting home in time to make her, her child some pancakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, it's interesting because she never really, like it kind of implied sort of through the, through the series that she's going to be this kind of real badass character, but it it was more I think you're right like a survivalist kind of probably summed it up more more accurately. Just before I forget, um, just going back to that true story thing, um, it's funny because now you know when we're watching uh, the Iron Claw and this is based on a true story, uh, Patreon producer Samara Whiting King is like, uh, are you sure it's based on a true story? Like she's she's damaged. She's she's not she's happy about fact, it. Fact checking everything now. Yeah, believe nothing. It's good though. I mean, this is a, the role of a producer to make sure that what we're reporting is in fact correct. So it's good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I enjoyed too. Just kind of like the the ramping up of the of the villains too. Like I I love that. Obviously, we kind of start with like you know Gen- Jennifer Jason Lee's character sort of becoming the bad guy, and then sort of you know the the twists and turns with that. The sort of like the the slowish not well, maybe slow is a bit, a bit unfair but like even just with John Hamm's character as Roy Tillman just becoming like better and better and better until the point like he's he's unrecognisable as the, um, as the John Hamm that uh, most people know and love um, it's I think there's this there's this a certain charm about this show and I think what they've done well in season 5 is they've recaptured that charm from the first couple of seasons uh, of Fargo and, and I feel like they kind of brought that back and you kind of need some characters like Juno Temple um, and her uh, husband who's, who sort of like like play these more like subtle dry roles and like there's a saying in in the show called Minnesota Nice and it just it just sums yeah. up so perfectly um, yeah. how everybody is and so I think what Minnesota Nice means is it's basically an aggressively pleasant demeanour, often forced, in which a person is chipper and self-effacing, no matter how bad things get. And it's it's just the perfect summary. So good, so good. Another shout out, Dan, um, because I just don't see him enough. Is Lamorne Morris, who I one of my f- all-time favourite comedies is New Girl, and he played Winston in New Girl, and, I, and I've really only seen him in comedy situations, but he he plays the. Um, the North North Dakota um, deputy Whitfire, oh, and he was he you know in that amazing gas station scene with Juno you know um, just absolutely superb. There were some great set pieces in the movie in, in the movie in the series. Sorry, um, the the gas station shooting, um, 
the house scenes at the end when all the chasers were on and she was she was just going through all secret doors and and then she's walking out with a hood up and she's just so master of disguise without actually doing anything really she was just really 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 confident in her ability and backed herself and um just was absolutely fantastic I also kind of like how that sort of touches on the the volatile nature of communities in in the world in the political front right now the fact that you know you can kind of have a a sheriff basically like kind of put the call out that hey they're trying to take me down they're trying to you know almost in the John Dunham way they're trying to take my land they're trying to and you know can kind of rally the community behind him you know and, and to basically like fight to the death and just the tension between that and um authorities like FBI or whoever it may be it's yeah I I thought it was good it's this is a, a really great series. I think if this had been, if this had sort of fully come out in either 23 or 24, I definitely could have seen it as a potential contender uh, for top 10. Yeah, I, I think it could have been in that contender as well. You know, great story, great performances, a lot of tension, um, compelling, um, just in terms of, you know, you sort of. You, Oh, could we watch one more episode? It's that kind of feel, you know. You don't, you don't want to sort of stop, stop watching it just a bit too long. But that shouldn't put you off watching what is a brilliant season. And I think, as you said, the only other sort of thing um, was the the that character, Old Munch, um, who had a very, very. Cra- I mean, we talk about crazy haircuts. Come the end, it, he certainly was. But the, you know, he was the one who was always calling it, referring to her dot as a tiger. Um, and some of the weird supernatural stuff that also makes more sense in terms of it not being based on a true story. Cause I was thinking, well, how are they proving those things? Um, that ticks that box just, just really, 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 really good. And if you haven't seen Fargo before, just go, go right back to the start. Because for my money, if I had to rank them right now, Dan, I would be going one, three, five, two, four. Yeah. Yeah. That, that feels about right. In fact, I think the other thing too is don't even feel like you like obviously watching the first season is the best season with without a doubt, uh, but it is basically a new story each season. So you can kind of if you do want to jump in or you've only got access to the latest season, for example, don't be don't be put off by that. Indeed. So that is series five of Fargo available in New Zealand to watch on Neon next week. Our Joint watch of the week, Dan, uh, is going to be Avatar, The Last Airbender on Netflix. Is it, or is it True Detective? It's going to be True Detective <laughs> Night Country <laughs> on Neon. Correct, Dan. I'm just checking that you're on the ball, and clearly you are. That's good. Indeed. But Avatar is coming up, so um, never That's fear. Right. We, will get to, we will get to both of those uh, TV shows. So, yeah, looking forward to discussing that. Um, that's yeah. actually really good because actually as I said it I was thinking man I've got to get on to watching that <laughs> so I've actually got two weeks that's good yep you've got time you've got time so I guess the big question then Paul is what is your your pick of the week well for me I'm going to go with For All Mankind season four um, and so that again just to to give it that context of what I've just said about Fargo series five and even if it is the weakest of the four seasons, it's in the contest of the first three being for me, some of the best TV I've ever seen in my, you know, alongside Breaking Bad, Seinfeld and so on. So that's how highly I rate that show. So yes, yeah, season four is still quite exceptional TV for my money, Dan. What about you? 
This is a tough one for me because I actually could recommend all three of my watches this week, but I think I think I'm gonna go with Fargo uh, season five, um, just because I, despite a couple of the small things that we kind of brought up, everything about it I thoroughly loved, and we we were binging this. Um, like just episode after episode, and, and I, I, I love that feel, the sort of the, the adrenaline and the let's let's get one more in. So that's the the pick of the week for me. What have you got on your news desk, Dan? Uh, I don't have a lot for you this week. I've only got a, a couple of small things. Um, so number one, it looks like we might be getting beef season two. Now, um, we talked about this when we reviewed the show, about like it was kind of going to be a limited series. Now there's talk of um, Beef Season 2, and I think they're going down a path which which I think we'd endorse, Paul, where looking at a whole different storyline, not continuing on with the, the same cast at all, which I think is great. Um, there's currently potential rumours uh, that it could be Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway I feel like we're really in the era of, and I think about this with like the White Lotus, um, or what's the show we talked about last week? Um, well, we said there could be another season, but a whole different cast. What was that? Uh, uh, escaping me. Uh, but but I, I I like these TV shows where they can kind of like, we can do a whole new season. Oh, it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Um, of course, the Smiths, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like I love, you know, these 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 really well done TV shows, another one made by A24, um, bringing in kind of big names and it's kind of like a one and done, like they'll come in and do eight or 10 episodes and it's, it's something fresh and exciting. So watch this space um, when Beef Season 2 does get announced. I'm sure that will be on our watch of the week. Very much like a um, Fargo approach there, just keeping the genre, but going with a different approach. Mm, mm, indeed. Um, the Harry Potter TV series, it looks like that has now been confirmed to make a debut in 2026. So um, a little while to wait for that one, but I imagine there is a, a lot of special effects and things that are going to making that show. So a couple of years away. Uh, True Detective, uh, which we're reviewing next week, uh, has just been confirmed for a fifth season um, with the Night Country Night Country creator Isa Lopez, um, which is going to be great to have a, another season of that show. Uh, we've also got season four of The Boys has got a new release date, so that's going to be coming out on June 13th, 2024. Another show I'll definitely be watching once all those episodes have dropped. And then my final bit of news for those anime fans, it looks like they are working on a Naruto live action movie. So um, that's going to be with the Shang-Chi director, uh, Destin Daniel Critton. So watch that space for more information if you're a fan. Any news on your side, Paul? Some really big names being thrown around, eh, in these TV shows. You know, you start talking about Anne Hathaway and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's a... Yeah, there's a there's a lot of exciting shows coming up and rumours. Uh, talking of which, the one thing I did have here, because you covered off the one thing I had, um, season two uh, of Andor will probably be out towards the end of the year or early next year. So we still may, and I am clinging on to all hope, of course, that it could still be a 2024 release, which would just be great because... I feel like when there's a full calendar year between seasons, it just doesn't feel, you know, like the rings mm. of power. It's like a, 
um, it's 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 a long long wait. But this is this is from uh, Stellan Skarsgård, um, and I always get a little bit nervous when actors start talking about decks because realistically, I don't think they're the ones that are putting the things in the can. Um, so take that with a with a pinch of salt. The only other thing I had Dan was, um, and I say this with. With, with 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 love and also deep fear is that the the series Frasier has been renewed for another season um i will be there as i said when i did my review a few months ago but i'll be coming in expecting a better delivery of story because it's uh, it's, it, it's a <coughs> franchise i care a lot about I'm I'm glad you're coming back despite the the not so great review um and your your love for the franchise runs deep. I actually do have one other bit of news that I just remembered um because this is half measures and I wasn't prepared. <laughs> the trailer ha- a trailer has dropped for a new Kevin Costner movie um which is coming out soon oh. called Horizon. It's going to be a, a two-part saga. Uh you like take a look at this trailer Paul, without even watching the trailer. It's got uh, some John Dutton vibes written all over it. This is a classic uh, Kevin Costner-style Western, chapter one, chapter two. So first part, June 28th, second part, August 16th, coming to theatres, chronicles a multifaceted 15-year span of pre- and post-Civil War expansion and the settlement of the American West. I watched the trailer. It looks freaking awesome. Um, I'm I'm hyped. I wonder whether, you know, is this some of the Yellowstone disconnect? This is directed by Kevin Costner as well as him starring in it. So uh, it's got an all. It's got a pretty great cast. It's got uh, Sam Worthington. It's got Michael Rooker, uh, Will Patton. Uh, Danny Houston, um, wow. Thomas Church. Like, you know, when you talk about West, I've got Luke Wilson. Uh, it's got some some characters that you always expect to see in a good Western. So um, this will be a good one to check out uh, later in the year. Michael Rooker, he's um, he's old um, Merle Dixon, eh? Darryl he is Hall. indeed. Mm. Great actor, great voice. Um, Dan, Melbag. Very quiet again. No bites from any of the cast, writers, or directors or reviews from last week. So it's back to back quick mailbags for us. But I will quickly say, given that we are in March now, um, that if you are looking for something to watch or wondering what's new out this month, um, on the homepage of halfmeasurespodcast.com, right on the front page, we do have the top 20 TV shows and movies that are releasing this month. Um, and where you can watch that across all of the streaming platforms and also free to air TVNZ and three now as well. So do have a look at that. If you're looking for something new to watch last week's peak performance, then was, uh, Jeff Bridges and we had a few, uh, nominations. Alan Brooks went with the dude in big Lebowski, which thinking about it, that neither of us had even as an honorable mention, which is quite a big call because that's a, a massive Jeff Bridges movie, but just goes to show how much stuff he's got um jason went with k-pax which i don't think i've seen in that movie he he plays a psychiatrist treating a patient who claims to be from another planet so that's quite an interesting uh, little plot there um ash also another fan of big lebowski uh diana went with true grit and paddy gave us a three to one of crazy heart big lebowski 
and his peak performance was also True Grit, which, uh, despite it being potentially controversial, he thinks that the remake of that True Grit could even be better than the original John Wayne 1969 movie. So uh, that's one I haven't seen from memory. I have seen the original 310 to Yuma, but not the original True Grit. That is the mailbag this week, then. Very good. That is a another movie I I actually want to rewatch the the new trigger. It's it's been it's been too long. I'm going to have to do some some prep before we do a a western episode. Mm. All right, Paul. It must be time for peak performances. Indeed, it is. So every week, Dan and I take it in turns, choose someone from the Hollywood TV movie industry, and look back at their work and try and pick out what we think is their best work. This week. We are looking at um, Michael J. Fox. And I guess right off the bat, Dan, I think it's really worth saying this is someone uh, who whose career was really has been sadly reduced in more recent years after um, being diagnosed with, with Parkinson's disease um, in some of his 90s roles. I was just reading up about this before we came on air, Dan. He would actually keep his hands in his pockets in an attempt to reduce that involuntary shaking but um the amount of work he's done excluding voice work um did start to dramatically reduce but still so many um so many great performances then and a really likable person and so he is subject to the half measures peak performance microscope this week i remember um during the sort of the early Parkinson days, like in his TV show Spin City, that's when the kind of the hands in the pockets thing yeah, kind that's of really right. yeah, yeah started and became big. Yeah, look, um, God, this is this is a tough one. Um, I'm actually going to go with my honourable mention. I'm going to go with the the 1982 series Family Ties, and it's a it's a it's a weird one for an honourable mention for me because. I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in any of the episodes, but I just remember so clearly watching this show every single day, um, you know, after after school or sort of in that, probably in that 5 p.m. kind of slot. And it just been a real core part of kind of growing up and particularly like, like just Michael J. Fox and Justine Bateman. But I always remember Michael J. Fox. I remember his calculator Casio watch. I remember him always kind of being a little bit left field to the rest of his family um, or as the as the sort of IMDb descriptor says, he, he's conservative and his his, um, his parents are liberal ex-hippies, which is a <laughs> fascinating description. But, yeah, so just a, a, a real core memory unlocked thinking about uh, family ties. So, so that's my my honourable mention where he first became a an household name. But for my peak performance, I'm actually going to go with 1989's Back to the Future Part 2. I think it's my favourite Back to the Future movie. I loved everything about sort of the, the future world with Marty McFly uh, from the hoverboards to the the sort of interpretation of the future to his, his fancy um, self-tying Nike shoes. It's, I don't know, I just, I, I don't want to generalise and just be back to the future. I want to sort of narrow it in. And I just think he's right. just it's, it's such an iconic role for him. Um, you can't have back to the future without Michael J. Fox uh, and Christopher Lloyd. And they're such a core component of, of that story. So Family Ties and Back to the Future Part 2. How about you? Nice, Dan. I um, mine will mention is also as Marty McFly. Um, 
but I'm going with 1985's Back to the Future, part one, the first movie. Just uh, genuinely, truly iconic, you know, just... uh, you just said you can't have Back to the Future without Michael J. Fox. And originally it was going to be Eric Stoltz. And with all due respect to, to Eric Stoltz, I can't imagine anyone else in the world ever playing Marty. Mm. He's just, he's so good, so watchable. And as you sort of touched on, that on-screen relationship with Christopher Lloyd is just is just amazing. It's no wonder we always sort of see the two of them show up all over the place, you know, wearing all the gear in, in the DeLorean because it's just, it's a memorable performance um, you know, across three brilliant movies, they're great fun to watch back to back. But my 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 favorite is the first. Funnily enough, we have um we have eight, two, three, yeah, eight full size movie posters in our house. Um, all of them from the nineteen seventies and eighties, and Back to the Future is one of those eight. So that's that's how much I love this. Um, but my peak performance is actually for his role in the 90s comedy series that you just referenced and Spin City, uh, in which he he plays Mike, um, deputy mayor of, of, of New York. And I think it's a, I feel like it's a much underrated comedy. And I think, I think it came out at a time when these sort of series were really, really, really peaking. You know, you had Friends, you had Frasier, mm. you had Seinfeld. They were all so big at the same time. This one probably just flew under the radar a bit, but I just... I just thought it was so well done and so clever. And the part, again, for someone like Michael J. Fox, the delivery of the lines was 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 just so good. He had he had to leave at the end of the fourth season because you know, because of his health. And I remember that the writing of him leaving into the story was really, you know, real life emotion came through in in the screen. He then returned in the final season for some episodes which was good but a really funny show and just so many great lines from from michael j fox i think i just loved just like you mentioned with family ties the amount of michael j fox we were able to get you know 103 episodes of him was you you really got to spend some quality time with him so so yeah back to the future and spin city for me dan it's a great shout. I, I almost brought it up myself because it's another show. I just, I think because it, it was in the it was in the era of obviously no streaming, no internet. You kind of this was stuff that you just watched every week, and it was a, you know, such a good feel good show, such good comedy. And yeah, I, I remember how sort of how sad those scenes were when he he finished up on that show. I was actually. Was I was living? I lived in North America for, for a couple of years, and I, this show was coming out, and so I had like a real—I don't know what I'm saying—legitimate, but like a, it felt like a really authentic mm. experience watching it in North America, watching it in the evening with the with the American you know, ads in between. But being in amongst that entire culture at that time, it just really resonated with me quite a lot. So, um, so yeah. I love that. So, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. Does indeed. Thank you, as always, for listening in. Um, Parliament TV is back on the 3rd of March, so do tune in with me, and I'll be bringing that to the pod next week, no doubt, Dan. Very good. Also, a special uh, shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.